Are you stuck figuring out what kind of business to start, how to start it, or just tired of being a entrepreneur? Or do you feel like you're just spinning your wheels with busy work, or you can't figure out how to optimize for real growth? Yeah? Then you're going to love this episode. My guest is AppSumo founder Noah Kagan, and he's constantly launching new companies to solve his own pain points. Today, he walks us through how to come up with a new idea, launch a company, and grow it from scratch by simply taking something you're already doing and finding a way to charge people for it. And if you're already established, he tells us how we can grow our business by doubling down on what works and focusing our efforts on the things that actually move the needle. Whether you're just starting out or trying to find ways to scale things up, this episode is sure to both entertain and enlighten. Please welcome Noah Kagan. The podcast by Tyler Benedict that explores the startup stories and growth tactics of hundreds of entrepreneurs, plus his own tips and tricks learned over two decades of launching, running, and growing businesses, including BikeRumor.com, the world's largest and most popular cycling tech blog. If you're thinking of starting your own business, the Build Cycle will give you the tools and inspiration to do it right. Now, let's dive into this episode of The Build Cycle. All right, Noah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We uh, share, apparently, the same producer, I guess, for the thing, or editor for our shows, <laughs> and he, he made the intro, and man, once I started looking you up, I like I was like, super excited, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I like, I'm was struggling to come up with what I wanted to talk to you about, and it's not because I have a lack of topic ideas, but you, you've kind of been involved in so many cool things, like Facebook and Mint. And help build some amazing and huge companies. You still run AppSumo. But then, as I was digging through, I found what I think might be a fun starting point. You guys ran something a little while ago called your monthly 1K program. And so, let's for entrepreneurs listening that might just be getting started, let's start small. How can somebody start from scratch and quickly start making an extra thousand bucks a month? Damn, you're just going no foreplay whatsoever. <laughs> so, we're all business here. I like it. I like it. Bike business. I mean, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine. He lives in he lives in L.A. where I'm visiting now, but he lives in Seattle. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing in Seattle? And he's uh, he said, I'm broke. I was, I was like, damn, that, that's some stuff. That sucks. And he's got two kids and he's struggling. And he said, you know, I'm embarrassed, but I got to tell you, I'm, I'm driving Uber at night and on weekends. And I think the thing that people think with making money is that there's literally like unlimited money out there. There's so much. There's so much. It's it's unbelievable. And I'm not talking mindset and frou-frou new age stuff. I'm saying there's just a lot of money out there for the people that are willing to put in the work. And so I would say number one, move to a, a more affordable city. So if wherever you're living, reduce your your living expenses so that you're not you're not forced to have to make money. All right. That's number one. Number two, I would do something that is guaranteed. So like Uber, Lyft, Instacart, Amazon Flex. I think it's great to just have some kind of crappy job uh, so that you can actually just you're guaranteed you're going to make money. Because a lot of times when someone's starting a business and we'll get into the nuances of that, it doesn't happen right away. Most of the companies that, that I've started or been a part of, it, it took literally like at least a year to start making some serious money. Uh, and a lot of people get really impatient where after a month of not making money, they're like, oh, it's just too hard. I'll just go back to my job. 
so in terms of, of making money, the, the two things I'd recommend for everyone that wants to start a business, like if you want to start today, I would do two things. Number one, look at something you're already doing that people respond to. Right. So if you're already doing marketing for certain businesses, if you're already liking to do tours, like you like you love doing bicycle tours or you like building backpacks or you like baking something, look at something you're already doing. I think when people try to f do something they have no idea of, uh, they generally fail really fast and they give up really fast. So try to figure out something you already like and something that people already respond to. Yeah. Or and they're the second, afraid to start, too. You know, you've got that like, totally. oh, I don't know where to start. So you do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier. What I've noticed from, I call them entrepreneurs, is that they, they spend a lot of time playing business, right? So they're reading my stuff. They're reading Tim Ferriss. They're watching YouTube shit. Like, they just do everything but actually start the business. And I'll, I'll give some real-life examples of things people could go do today. But number one is just pick something you're already doing or you already like. And number two is that just go look at your own network. I can't tell you how many people have started businesses and they're, they're like, well, I put it on Craigslist. No one bought it and I gave up. And I asked them, did you look at your LinkedIn or on your Facebook or on your phone or at your church or at your work? And a lot of them kind of just avoided it. They're like, no, I don't want to I don't want to bug these people. <laughs> and so if you're not going to be able to get your own network to do it, it's going to only be harder to get some random people to go do it. Uh, so that, that those are my two kind of starters if you're starting a business. Uh, in terms of businesses, man, like there's really so many different things you can do. Uh, one, I'm actually kind of starting a new business literally this month. Uh, and the reason I'm doing it is because I'm pissed off. <laughs> so I was, I got <laughs> my Mailchimp. Yeah, like for my personal blog, okdork.com. Uh, I got my bill for Mailchimp, and it was, I think it was like five hundred and fifty dollars. And I just thought that was ridiculous. And so for yourself and people listening, like think about something that pisses you off, and solve it. And so I was pissed off about my bill, and I went to one of the guys I worked with, and I said, "How long do you think you could do this in one month?" And he said, probably not. And I said, okay, let's do it in a month then. And so we're launching it on Friday. Um, it's called, I mean, I'll say the name, it's called sendfox.com. But basically, I just didn't want something that was so expensive and didn't work that great. And so I was like, let me build that for myself, something affordable and works easy. Uh, but number one, like, just think, you know, think about something that you don't like. <laughs> think about, you're like, hey, I really wish someone would just do this. And it's like, well, go do that. For that one, for me, I'm thinking, okay, I, it's funny because we were talking about this beforehand and we're going to try it out for our own email list. It's the thought of starting another email list thing never dawned on me, even though I agree it's silly that they keep raising their rates just because you get more subscribers. But like, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. So for somebody who has these pain points, you know, like a mail list or whatever it is, if it's not something they're involved in, like you said, you know, start with something you know. But if this is something bigger, you know, like I know this has potential, I'm excited about it, it would solve so many people's problems. But it's so far above my head up to where to even start. Like, where do they start? Well, so I'll just give a few examples because I think stories and examples are a lot more relatable than me giving like, you know, theoretical like, oh, yeah, just search on Google and, you know, buy some ads. Uh, just as a caveat, if anybody's starting a business, I always, always recommend don't spend any money. <laughs> so if you can avoid spending money because spending money is an easy way to avoid problems. And it, it avoids actually facing and dealing with things manually. And so I only really start trying to spend money when I make money. And the second thing you need to do as you're starting these businesses is really constrain your time. What I've noticed from entrepreneurs, and including myself when I've avoided starting something, um, is that we're like, oh, I'll just, you know, I have six months or 12 months. It's like, no, do it in one month. Do it in one week. Uh, what, some of the things you, you talked about, I thought you said, uh, Tyler, that were great, was fear. So if you give yourself a lot of time, you'll just extend it and make it more scary versus one of my favorite things I've encouraged people to do starting a business is challenge yourself to make $100 this week. 
And then you're like, well, shit, if I have to make $100 this week, what do I, what can I do? Here's an easy business for you. Go to all your friends and neighbors, coworkers, blah, blah, blah. Take all their junk and sell it on eBay and Amazon and give them 90% of the revenue. That's a pretty easy one. Anyone could do that. So the point being is like, don't give yourself too much time and limit it uh, to not spend any money. A few examples, you're like, hey, it's over my head. I don't really know any of this stuff. Uh, I met a guy recently. His name is Rich. And Rich is a big executive at a commercial real estate firm. And he unfortunately has read some of these, you know, four hour work week books that are great. And he wants this lifestyle. He's like, I just want to, you know, I hate my, he doesn't hate his boss. He doesn't hate his job. He just wants more freedom. Rich wanted to create uh, an online website, an online business. And I was like, Rich, you're, you're 40 years old. Doesn't mean you can't do it. But how much do you know about this stuff? He's like, nothing. I know zero. I was like, okay, what have you done outside of work? He's like, well, I know commercial real estate and I know mobile home parks and I've actually invested in mobile home parks. And so with him, I was actually discouraging him from trying to do online where he doesn't know anything and try to push him to go deeper into mobile home parks. So how can you do a online newsletter or sell information or just invest more in things that you already have? He has an advantage in because him trying to learn the internet stuff, he can do it, but he's not gonna have an advantage like someone like myself who's been doing it for 20 years. Uh, doesn't mean he can't, he totally can. But I was just saying, pushing him in that direction. Um, let's say, and here's a crazier example, Tyler. What if you wanted to build a bike? Like I want to build the Benedict, right? It's the newest, bestest road bike in the world. Okay. So how the hell do you build a bike, right? Like that's like crazy. Uh, but let's just say we want to do it. Like we believe that there's something missing in bikes where like you want to have a ball holder, like it can hold your balls perfectly when, when you ride. Okay. Right. It's kind of funny, but like you've never had a bike that can hold your balls like comfortably. And, um, so how do we start? How would I start? Number one, I would try to see if I can sell it. So I'm already involved in biking. I road bike, I mountain bike. Uh, I would go to people that I already know that bike as well and say, Hey, I'm building a bike. I think it's going to cost this amount of money. You can do some basic calculations. Uh, can you give me half a down payment and I'll give you one of the bikes when I finish building it in the next six months. And what you'll find out about that is, and most people are like, well, why would they pay for it if it's not there? It's like, well, most things you pay for aren't there, right? Your hotels, your Amazon purchases, your flights, all this stuff you pay for it, assuming it's going to come. It's the same thing. It's just, you have to have an expectation. So the same thing with when you're making stuff, sell it to people, see if they'll actually buy it before you even put any time or money into making it. So if no one buys my bike, great. I didn't waste six months or 12 months or two years building something no one wanted. If they do buy the bike, perfect. Now I just have to go find the manufacturer and I have the money. It's a lot easier. Uh, alternatively, if they say, no, we don't want your bike, that's great. Now you can find out what they do want, right? Maybe they want better tires. Maybe they want just better underwear. Maybe they want a different helmet. Maybe they want different types of clothing. Maybe they want different types of food. And so when you get the rejection for, in the validation stage, it's actually a great thing to find out things that people do want. So there's just a few different stories and examples uh, of things I think about as I'm trying to start uh, a business. Yeah, no, I like that. And so I want to talk because apparently when you started that program, which the monthly 1K thing is no longer available, I couldn't find it. Uh, it kept going to broken links. So I guess that one sold out. Um, but you started a jerky brand to kind of prove the concept, right? Yeah, so I started that. Man, I did that like four years ago. It was crazy. Um, so I basically just want to show, cause I think a lot of times when you have these people on podcasts or YouTubes or articles, Oh, here's how to do this and here's how to do that. But it's like, prove it. And so I emailed our customer list and I said, Hey, you tell me what business to start and I'll start it and I'll, I'll do it in 24 hours. 
without using my network. So I can't go and blast all of people I know and say, Hey, give me money and, and so forth. I'll, you know, like anybody else starting a business. So the, the, they chose that I would start a jerky company, beef jerky. And I, the other options were lemonade or hot sauce. And, you know, it, frankly, a lot of times when people start businesses, they, they discourage themselves where oh, it's jerky. It can never be a big company. I mean, you could say that same thing for Amazon. It's a bookstore. It can never be a big company or Facebook. It's a online director for Harvard. It can never be a big company or Google. It's for research academics. It can never be a big company. But now you guys are like, well, obviously those are big companies. And so that I think the bigger thing is just getting started. So, and, and you iterate and evolve. So with the jerky, I, iterate, I, you know, I only gave 24 hours, didn't use any network of mine. I just use only what I like access to close friends. Uh, and I evolved it to at the end of the 24 hours, I ended up making around a thousand dollars profit and 4,000 in revenue. And the way I was able to do that was that I ended up calling a lot of service providers that I was using, uh, and friends that worked at companies and got them to buy subscriptions for those businesses. So I'd say, Hey, will you buy six months subscription to my jerky business? Uh, and I called up people that I like my lawyer, I called up my accountant, I called up my payment provider. Uh, and then I called up friends who worked at companies and asked to talk to their office managers, uh, and then sold them jerky. Nice. Yeah. And I think like to your point about the big companies that are just big and you just assume they're big, but they all started somewhere. And then, you know, the jerky thing, I was thinking of that brand Perky Jerky that I remember when it started and I just thought the name was funny and stuff. And now they're in Costco and, you know, national distribution and stuff. So yeah, it's, and, and the nice thing with food, cause we're at, my friend and I are actually launching a new sports drink mix here pretty soon is it's man, there's people out there that will make that stuff for you at any scale you want. It's, you know, you don't have to be able to actually produce that mass produce that stuff. There are people that can do that for you. You just need to have the concept and kind of like figure out the pieces of the puzzle that need to come together. And almost all of those pieces can be handled by somebody else. You know, the e-com can be built by somebody, the mailing list can be managed, the marketing. It's really, you just, you kind of need a puppeteer to steer the ship. That's terrible. You know, <laughs> You don't want a puppeteer steering a ship, but you know what I'm saying. Well, I think, you know, most someone said this and I love this. This quote is that most innovation doesn't come from experts. And just think about that for a second. And I love that 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 thought where because I've been an internet for 20 years, I think I know it all. But if most of the innovation in the internet is not coming from someone who's like, I know it all. It's from someone who doesn't know what they can't do. Right. So I don't want to discourage anyone from saying, like, I don't know how to do email or I don't know how to build a code. I don't know how to do this stuff. It doesn't mean you can't learn it. Uh, I, I think what I try to think about is like, what am I really great at? And then how do I spend all of my time doing that? And then none of my time doing anything else. So I'm not that interested in doing finance or any, a lot of operational stuff within our company at Sumo Group. So I, I hire people that do. I, I'm not interested in doing a lot of meetings. So I hire people that prefer to run organization where I can do kind of more startup-y nimble things. And I think just more people kind of need to put themselves around uh, around the, that type of activities and, and think about what's the best use of my time. Yeah, I agree. So you've started AppSumo and I've read that you started that because you wanted to find the best tools to help run your business. And now you sell apps and services to help others build their businesses. And so one of the early offerings was an hour of your time where you'd mentor people around how to grow their company. When and, and you sold those out and every time you raised the price and sold more hours of your time. So there was obviously demand for that. So what were some of the most common issues people were having? Well, I mean, why don't we just do it live? So let's talk about bikerumor.com. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I mean, 
that that whole thing with selling my time was more an experiment in our business of I started AppSumo because I, I thought that most people needed help with marketing. Software was becoming more popular. And if I could be a distributor of it, uh, that's valuable. And so the selling my time was an experiment. If we could help, if, besides selling software, we could sell services and, and consulting, which worked okay, but wasn't really our forte. So we ended up killing it. Um, and I think that's something we've done w well in our company, which is experiment. But for the, that consulting that I experimented with and, and I don't do anymore, um, it's just talking to different people's businesses. So for like Bike Rumor, what's your goal this year uh, for the end of 2018? Oh, man. I wish I could articulate it well. We've been thinking a lot about this. You know, vaguely and top, top level is to find a way to make video a more integral part of it because we have some opportunities with that <clears throat> to grow our awareness through other channels, you know, well beyond YouTube. And I, I can't say what they are yet, but it, we're really excited about it. But the thing is, that means that we have to take the already really stretched thin staff that we have and the limited time we have to produce the content that people are already expect of us and then somehow figure out how to add video production. And like, I don't know if you've ever, well, you do, you do some YouTube videos, but like to create a five minute video about something is easily two hours to two days worth of work. You know, like you, you mentioned that you had just talked to Seth from Seth Vikax. He and I were talking earlier this week and he's like, well, you know, I put out one video a week and I basically need from Sunday to Thursday to create that video. I'm like, Jesus, dude, like, I mean, our video is not quite to his level, but you know, it just goes to show like four or five days of work to produce one, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minute video. So, that's our problem is how do we do these things that we want to do and we feel like we need to do to grow when like we're already stretched so thin. I mean, I would actually challenge you and, and ask if that's your most important thing, right? And like what, what else, what other options are there? So the only reason I say that I'm not, I'm not a know-it-all. I don't, I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, just in my experience with our company and, and what I've observed from other companies that seem to do well is picking more numeric goals with uh, quantified timelines. So mm -hmm. one thing, I, you know, here's a simple example. Are you still writing the articles on Bike Rumor? I am. I'm trying my best to get it, to windle that down. There's some I really enjoy writing. I, I like writing some of the really deep technical features, but the day-to-day -day stuff, I've, I'm getting better and better at delegating. We have a couple of new freelancers. So yeah, that's one area where I've been improving and still need some improvement. Well, well, the reason I say that is twofold. Number one, I think everyone should focus and life is short, I, you know, short or long, depending on how you look at it, but everyone should spend the time doing what they enjoy. So if you're said, Noah, I love writing articles. I want to spend my whole day writing articles. Then my thought would be, how do we optimize your business? So financially everything else is run and it grows without you. And all you have to do is write the articles or, you know, a lot of people, I mean, their ideal situation, I just want my site to grow and I don't want to have to be involved. And then with that being the case, the second the second scenario, it's okay. Well, what amount of money does it need to be generating, so that you can do that? And I think a lot of people, what I've noticed from some businesses, and again, Tyler, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm only talking like this is kind of like when I do calls with people, what we've talked about, is you want to do video, but how much video, and why is that more important than something else? And then really figuring what's really the most important thing. Like, is it actually right. a certain? Is it a certain revenue goal? Is there a certain amount of subscribers on your newsletter? Is it a certain amount of like ad dollar consistency or ad CPC or is it page views? Um, some examples in our business that, you know, just to share, we, we've had different goals from 
how big our email list is. So a first few years of our business, we noticed that the more we grew our email list, the more money we made. So everything was around growing your email list. Um, now some of the goals are like some of our newer products, like the SendFox one, our goal is literally it's a monthly goal. So each go- month, like our goal this month is launch in one month. Next goal for next month is advanced features. Third month is integrations. Fourth month is break even. Uh, and then from there, we'll probably move to quarterly and then probably yearly goals. And so I think what I've noticed, just the only suggestion I can make, it sounds like so far from you, is just pick something that's quantifiable so you can know if you're there or if you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, no, it's good advice. And, and you're right, because as you were saying that, I was thinking about everything that I just said, and there was nowhere in there was there any kind of measurable goal. It was just like, yeah, we need more video instead of like, we need to do 10 videos a week or whatever. Well, the two things I would say, and if I'm annoying you, you can always tell me. Sometimes I annoy myself. No, man, this is, I, I, I love having a sounding board. I, I don't get this often enough to kind of like turn it back on my own businesses. I'm, you know, I love asking people about theirs. So it's nice. It's refreshing because it, it's like anything, right? When somebody challenges you a little bit to explain what you're doing, sometimes that's how you discover, you know, the holes in your operation and it forces you to think about it a little bit differently. Yeah, Fire I mean, away, man. <laughs> well, the two things that, that, that have helped our business is one, a clear goal. So if you notice that you're scared of Google search screwing you over, you could have a goal being, I want to grow my newsletter business, right? That, that could be your whole thing. I want to grow my email so I'm not dependent on Google. That could be your goal. Or secondly, it could be, I don't want to have advertising be our main revenue source. I want to have some diversification. So maybe it's like, I want to sell products and get 10% of our revenue uh, or this X amount of revenue to be from non-ad revenue. It, the goal is really what you think is leading, will be leading the business. The second thing I think that's really helpful is that if you think it's video, um, you're like, hey, we think video is the big thing. What I've done with our business, one, one the business uh, for SendFox and, and King Sumo, our giveaway software, is that we have a proactive dashboard. That's It's just a Google spreadsheet. It just sounds fancy. But a proactive dashboard, what that means is that a lot of our metrics and things we do in life are, are after the fact. So it's like, I want to bike this long distance. But that's kind of like, it's just a fixed thing. So what are th- a proactive dashboard is what are things you can control each week? And that's actually what we check in on. Uh, and I like that sometimes more so than just having the goal itself. or And doing them together is killer. So what does that mean? It's, all right, each week, how many videos am I going to put out? Each week, how many Instagram posts am I going to put out? Each week, how many comments am I going to reply to? Basically, what are things in your business that move it towards your goal that are controllable? Because I can't control what Google search does. I can't control if YouTube likes me or not likes me. But I can control, uh, I can't control how many videos I put out. I can't control, you know, different things. And that's what I try to do uh, in addition to having a, an end goal. Yeah. And it's almost like having that in setting that end goal and then working backwards to the baby steps that need to do it because you can measure if you're getting hitting those baby steps, which helps everyone kind of progress, right? Instead of staring at this big goal and not knowing what to do to get there. Uh, that was what one of my last guests was saying. It's like, you know, you, you could look at it and say, well, I need to double my business. Or you could say, uh, I'm going to gain, you know, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. And when it all adds up, boom, I've doubled my business and it, it breaks it down into more manageable steps too. Yeah, totally. I think that's, that's a great idea of it. So it's funny because what you're saying kind of leads into the very next question that I had it, and you alluded to it with some of the things you're doing, you know, you grow your email list because your email list works. And so you've, you've mentioned this in several articles and videos of yours is that make what's working work harder for you. And, you know, so like to use your example, you know, your email list was generating a lot of revenue. So you doubled down on that. And I was hoping maybe you had another example where you could kind of expand on that concept for people because, 
you know, the alternative is just chasing that new thing that seems interesting at the moment when you're doing it at the expense of something that is proven to make you, you know, money or growth, whatever it is you want to get. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the two things I've thought about and, and I think where you're going is number one, if you're working on things and, and I think what I wonder is that everyone's busy, right? I'm I'm sure you notice this, Tyler. Everyone's so busy. But why does it seem like some companies and some people get so much more done? Right. And so I think people have to evaluate, are they really spending their time on the right priority? And I think a lot of people, they're doing like the proactive dashboard where each week they're doing a blog post. But then if they actually stopped and said, hey, is this blog post really moving me towards my goal? They'd probably say yes and do more of it or no and, and kill it. And most people don't actually spend time removing things from their business. They just keep adding new layers. Uh, and in terms of focus, a lot of people are like, oh, you're doing too much. You're doing too little. And it's debatable. I mean, every you could say is Google focused. I don't know. They have like 10,000 different types of businesses. Uh, what what I like to think of and, and my, the team I get to work with, it's not me at all. It's my, the team I get to be a part of. Uh, I think we're really good at saying what's working and let's just do a lot more of that. Not necessarily always try to find the new thing. Because what I've observed with our company is every time we do new things, we think it's going to save us and it doesn't. And every time we just go back and do more of what we know works and just do a lot more of it, it grows. Uh, and I have to remind myself of that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's hard, right? You get distracted by the shiny new thing. And it's good to have that in the back of the head, like some metric that you can measure, right? Like maybe it's okay to try it for a second, but don't do that at the expense of the things that are already working. So you must see like a million apps that help people do one thing or another to help run their businesses. So rather than talk about like specific apps or, or services that you guys sell through AppSumo, I kind of want to talk about trends. Like what seems to be the area or the service or whatever that most people are looking to improve or optimize? You know, the trends in software have been really fascinating. I think the number one thing that someone told me recently that I thought was the, the funniest part about tools is that there's no tool that's going to save your business. <laughs> and I think that's the, the number one trend in tools is that, I, including myself, I think this next tool that does some sort of advanced segmentation and filtering is really going to help me make an extra few bucks generally doesn't work. Um, and a lot of times it's going back to the basics of like outreach one-on-one -on -one, referrals and the, the, the simple things that, that are tried and true uh, and doing more to that in business. I, I think there, there are things that are advancing, like how do you do triggers based on actions people have taken in your business? Uh, but I, I think that, or people saying AI or people saying machine learning, um, for 95, 99% of the businesses out there doesn't really matter. So where should people be spending their time? as opposed to just trying to find that next killer app that's going to, you know, make this tiny, tiny incremental gain. What what do you think they should be doing that's going to move the needle in a more significant way? I would do two things. Number one, I'd pick a very clear goal for a time within a time frame. So by December 31st, 2018, whatever, pick your time. I want to be X. And then the second thing I would do is commit four days a week to doing that. With only doing things four days a week that I know work. So I know whatever it is in your business, every business is different. But if I know it's outbound sales, if I know if it's blogging, I know if it's posting on YouTube, I know if it's doing interviews, whatever it is, spend four days a week doing that. And then one day a week, do your experiment stuff, like do all the shiny object stuff just on Fridays. So on Fridays is your fuck around day where it's like, all right, let me try these crazier shit that I'm not really sure of. That's it's basically 80, 20, four days on one day off. And then generally what we do is on Mondays, we just check to see if it looks like the actions we're taking are moving us towards the direction we want to go. And if they're not, then you need to, you know, readjust. 
we should talk about negotiating because I feel like it must take some serious negotiating skills to get people to offer their apps on AppSumo for like 95% of normal retail value. So how do you convince them of the value in what you're offering, whether it's audience or whatever, when what from outward appearances is a money losing deal for them? I, it, it's not a, well, one, I think the best things people can buy are when they feel like they're stealing or they're getting such a deal. They can't believe it. They're like, I can't believe I'm paying this much for what I get. Like you ever gone to a place, bought something like what I bought a sandwich in Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like I went to Barcelona recently, uh, which was awesome for, especially for road biking. And, uh, I bought a sandwich at this place called uh, BDB and it was $4 and every, I, I like could not believe it was four bucks. I went there all the time and I was asked, I'm like, ask God, I'm like, how can you not raise the price? He's like, cause it's $4. And, uh, I think that's how businesses should be where like the value is just unbelievable. Like you just can't believe what you're getting for the price. And so I think that's what, what we talked about how to start a business. I think what happens in businesses is people are solving non-important problems and the, the, the parallel of that is in a restaurant, you're serving just okay food, but you're busy serving the food. You don't really check to make sure if it's really great food or not. And in a business, you're solving problems that are like kind of important, but not really. And so with AppSumo negotiating, I would say, number one, I'm a shitty negotiator. I've always said this and I always still think I'm a crappy negotiator. I'm the way I do my negotiating is I want you to get what you want. I want to get what I want and that's it. And if, as long as we both get that life is simple, I think people make it too complicated and they have so many books about it. Um, with AppSumo, the way I've thought about it is that if I go to a business, let's say you created some software product, I do not believe there is anywhere else online that you could get a better promotion for your business than AppSumo. And if there is, I will go do it. And so what I mean by that is, let's say you created a, a product, uh, the Benis, you're now called Benisoft. I like how we have the Benedict bike, we have Benisoftware, all these companies it's from you, empire. man. empire. We're building an yeah. empire. They were building it. But I mean, legit, seriously. If, if I created Benisoft, literally AppSumo pays you to promote your software. It doesn't cost you anything because it's software and we bring you new customers at no cost. So now think about the other ways that you can grow your Benisoft empire. You have to go pay Google advertising money, Facebook advertising money, do PR, maybe write a bunch of content, maybe try to do some partnerships, uh, maybe go to meetups. And then none of that stuff is guaranteed to work. And none of that stuff pays you and gives you customers. So the, in my, I don't know, in my perspective, if there was a better thing than AppSumo, then I would have gone and just done that for software companies instead. I, I think what you're wondering, though, is that like, all right, well, these companies have to give good deals on it, um, right? They have to give a deal on their software, kind of like Groupon, which we are for software. The difference between a software company and Groupon and a lot of the, their businesses is that software is, there's no cost to, uh, for marginal customers. So for each additional customer, it doesn't cost them more ingredients or um, employee salary or office space. Uh, the only thing it costs sometimes is a little bit more on the support side, but it's pretty marginal. Yeah, because I mean the deals are ridiculous. Like the ones I've bought were something like I think I bought like a four hundred dollar audio download thing for like thirty bucks, and you know in my mind I'm like, man, <laughs> they're losing their ass on that. But you're right, it's not really costing them much. It doesn't cost them almost anything. Because there's no cost for them to, to issue it to a new customer. And a lot of companies, the way that it's happening is we're finding kind of newer, earlier companies that this is kind of like their funding round. So let's say you create software and you don't really have any money, but you've created this cool product that gets approved by AppSumo. I think we get, I don't know if it's 100 submissions a day, and we only promote two products a week. 
So out of thousands of products, only two go live a week. Uh, you know, for you, if you're a small business like that, it'll provide money for you possibly to, to work for the whole year. And then those customers that you get, if you treat them well and build out your service, there's potential for them to upgrade to other services. I like that because you're kind of solving a problem, not just for the people buying the apps, you know, who needed whatever that was. You're solving a problem for the app makers themselves of how do I get my product and service out there. I'm just curious what your business model is. Do you guys just get a commission or a percentage of each sale? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very straightforward. So if you create Benis software, either you submit it or we reach out to you. We have a great sales team that, that reaches out. And uh, we basically, let's say you sell your product for normally 50 bucks a month. We agree on some price that we both agree on. And then we have a revenue sh split, which depends on the, every deal is a little bit different, but there's some revenue share. And then we go and sell it. We've done, I mean, we've spent eight years building up our, our community. And so we promote it to our community and then do, a, we buy, we spend ads on it and we do other promotions for it. And then whatever we sell, we just split the revenue with you. Nice. With AppSumo or any of the other business you're running, like what are the operational or management challenges that keep you up at night? Yeah, the one that's been getting me more lately is, or two things that have been getting me lately is just like financial management as your company grows, right? So if you have, we have over 50 people. And so if you have 50 people with different needs, spending different amounts, with health benefits, with different offices, uh, that kind of stuff just costs more money, right? So how do you manage that effectively and not limit people? And then if they want to spend money, have them feel, you know, basically like it's their own company. So they treat the money like it's their own and they spend it like their own, good and bad. Uh, so that's definitely something that's keep me up at night. I'd say uh, in that same vein, organization. So how do you organize 50 people? Uh, it's a different beast that from five people and it'll be a different beast. I don't know if we'll ever be at 500, but it's, it's definitely uh, a lot of different challenges. So that's something I, I'm still trying to figure out because I enjoy the small part. And I love all the people we work with, but I don't really love trying to organize, you know, 50 plus people personally. Uh, so how do we do that as a company? And then probably lastly, uh, I'm thinking a lot about how does the company stay relevant in the future, right? So how do we have all these different pieces that we're doing be connected, kind of like transformers? <laughs> and how does it stay successful? And, you know, in the fast changing world, like what's what scares me is you have companies becoming bigger and bigger online monopolies. So if you're not Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, do you can, how do you have stand a chance on being promoted? And I feel like our business actually helps the little guys um, have a voice and have a chance of getting promoted and growing their businesses with the different tools that, that we build. Yeah, I wanna see if you can expand on the, or, or tell us how you're solving the problem of getting your employees to kind of have that same care and concern over what they're spending. Cause I think a lot of business owners have that, especially if they've got remote people that have, you know, a corporate card or whatever, those expenses can get out of control. What do you guys do to keep your team conscious of what they're spending? Like, how do you get them to treat their money, your money, like their money? It's just, uh, it's interesting, man, because when you work at a company, like I've worked at big companies, I worked at Intel and I've worked at Microsoft. Uh, and a lot of times you're like, well, it's this company. And when people like hate on Walmart, for instance, like I hate Walmart. I'm like, Walmart's just people, right? It's a company, but it's people in that company. Um, I, I think a lot of that is is kind of two things. I don't know if I want to boil it down to that. But I'd say number one is just if you, from the beginning who you hire. So if you hire someone, like they generally have good morals or not good morals. Uh, how do you interview for that? It's a little bit harder. But I think generally people that are hardworking, it's not because you've made them hardworking, they're just hardworking people. So kind of doing that a little a little bit more up front, number one. 
And then secondly, I think you have to put in some limitations about what is good or bad behavior. Like think about this. This is a stupid example. But on Facebook, why does everyone put their profile picture? Because that's the norm that they've encouraged people to do. And they've kind of pushed you in that direction. And so I think that's the same thing with spending money in a company is how do you encourage people to how do you reinforce positive behaviors? Uh, and I mean, honestly, I, I try to, for me, the way I think about it is that I want everyone to live the same life as I do, or I, I'm not saying that my life is amazing, but I want them to have the opportunity to live whatever life they want to live. And so I want them to have that within the company as well. And what are things that we can do with money for themselves? And so, and over time that might change, but here's some examples. So we used to give everyone gym memberships. We used to give everyone book memberships or books to buy. Um, some of that, as you get to a larger size for a small, for a small company, we're not funded, uh, is not financially like we can't do that long term it just doesn't make sense but we still do free lunches and when we didn't have money we didn't do free lunches um but on tuesdays we want everyone to get out of the office so we call them tiny team tuesdays where you meet with different people every team every tuesday it's randomly assigned and you get out of the office uh and people were spending like 30 40 dollars a person per lunch i'm like i don't know what they're doing they're like gourmet tasting <laughs> for lunches so uh over time we you know we had to say, all right, there's a, I think it's $15 a person for lunch, which I think is reasonable to go out to lunch, uh, for a person. So that, that's just trying to try to do that. I mean, other things I'm trying to implement is like credit card. I have our, we have an accountant that checks the credit card bill weekly and then basically highlights anything that seems strange. And then, you know, we, ha we go and cancel it or we try to negotiate rates because it just, it just gets harder, uh, to put process in like, we have a lot of vendors. So, you know, do we use bill.com or expensify.com? Uh, one thing I think is kind of interesting is for like reimbursements, having people paid out of pocket to begin with. Cause I think if you have to even pay it out of your own pocket and then get reimbursed, you're a little bit more sensitive. Yeah, probably. I mean, I know I would be, it's also a pain in the butt too though. Right. <laughs> like how do you imbalance, well, how do you balance that? I guess the paying out of pocket or which thing? Yeah, no, I don't know. It's, we can skip it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just interesting with financial management. I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we've done well as a company is we have budgets and then you check your budgets often. And then as much as you can take all the money and give it to the people who are creating the value. I think in businesses, there's a disproportionate wealth going to the top people or like me who, who started something. I'm not saying it's disproportionate, but I think that's how it's historically been. Like you started the company, you, you get the money, but it's like, well, who's doing all the work? Well, it's those people on the front line. And so I think there needs to be a better ratio of, of how people get paid in businesses. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th I think that's a big concern nationally at the moment too. You know, you get the, the 1% or whatever at the top making just obscene amounts of money in the rank and file making a mere fraction of that. Um, but yeah, so I like your answer though. It sounds like it kind of boils down to just, you know, have, have a few rules in place and have conversations with people if the spending is a little out of, out of hand. Yeah, I mean, we've had it in the past. I, th I think you just have to, one of the things I think we're we haven't always been great at, but we're working on is just have to be honest with yourself. And you know, people in companies, everyone knows, right? If something's going bad, it's like trying to hide it is uh, is pointless. Like today, a friend of mine was just talking to me how she fired a bunch of people uh, in her business, and I thought it was really honest of her. And it's not it sucks for those people that lost their jobs today. But I think what happens a lot of times in business and in life is we put our heads under the sand. We don't avoid the problem. We don't just go face it and deal with it uh, and create a better future. What advice would you give to an entrepreneur looking to start something similar to what you've done? Or I can ask this a different way. If somebody is in the services and they want to get their product on AppSumo, what app or service do you think needs to be built? I mean, you see a lot of apps. Where, do you, where are the holes in what's being offered right now? 
I think there's a there's so many holes if you actually look around and you start thinking about what sucks during your day. Like literally, just take a piece of pay, uh, note card, like a three by five, and every time in your day that you didn't like something, just write it down. So I was talking with a friend. One of the things I didn't like uh, was that my credit card bill. There's all these companies that are charging me monthly that I don't really want to keep, but it's like to go cancel it is kind of a hassle. So I want someone to go do that. Uh, there is a company that does it there, you know, and the problem with starting businesses or any of this stuff is that everyone's like, Oh, well, yeah, there's always so many doing that. I'm like, well, yeah, there's already like 10,000 restaurants in your city, but you can still open another one and be successful. Uh, I just think you have to figure out how you're different. I think if you think about things that suck or think about things that are awesome, but maybe aren't everywhere. So here's another idea. Uh, this coffee shop I go to just, they, they sell subscriptions. So for 200 bucks a year, I can get two free coffees a day. And I was telling my friend this, he's like, why don't every business do that? Like nail salons and hair salons and makeup and other food places. And it's like, well, cause they don't know the economics. And so he's like, well, what if you could go give them a free analysis, give them a recommendation and then help them set it up. And I was like, dude, that's a great idea. Cause then I would probably go frequent specific places way more often. Totally. I and mean, you would never go to any of their competitors, right? Because you had already yeah. paid for their stuff. Exactly. And it's and they get recurring revenue, so they have a much more predictable business, so they don't have to worry about Yelp or Google or anyone else kind of changing the rules on them. I mean, you could do the same thing with Bike Rumor. It's like once a month, like you send them like a product. Maybe you get free products from a company, uh, but something where people are excited to give you a monthly subscription. It's funny. My first idea was cancel subscriptions, and my second idea is encourage <laughs> subscriptions. I wonder if anyone got that. Um but yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's another thing I just, I was talking with a buddy in the, in the spa and it was like, yo, why don't more businesses have that? And I was like, that's a great idea. Well, it's like misogyny. That's their whole model, right? I mean, I think with, with stuff like that, a lot of it is, um, there's never a bad or an amazing idea. I just think it's that people don't do it and then they don't iterate if it's not working. So they find some, a lot of people like, oh, it's such a great idea. I mean, like I've had a lot of my ideas. Most of my ideas have been shitty ideas that end up becoming great and all my great ideas, not all, but a lot of my great ideas didn't actually work. I think there's, there's two different pieces of, of business, right? There's something, and I, we did talk about it. One part is just do more of what works. I think a lot of times in business, we stop doing what works. You're like, oh, I remember I used to do that and it used to work so well. And it's true for all parts of our life. And I think too many times we kind of just try all these new things. And so go back to stuff that works. Uh, and I think the other thing though, is that 20% of it, you got to be willing to cannibalize yourself if you want to grow. And that's, that's, I learned that, you know, from Facebook and, you know, a lot of these companies, I was just talking with someone earlier today about Blockbuster. I don't know about you, Tyler, but as a kid, Blockbuster Fridays was like my jam. You remember, you know what I'm talking about? Dude, I don't remember the Fridays, but we used to go all the time, especially when they got it to where you could get it in the mail and then take that in and return it for like a free movie. You know, that like, I don't know how they didn't compete with Netflix with that because it was awesome. I, I completely agree. I mean, but Blockbuster was, was too slow to cannibalize themselves. And, and then Redbox, like they even had like machines and Redbox crushed them. <laughs> yeah, Redbox and now Redbox got kind of crushed. And you have to look at it in other businesses like how can someone else crush you? And, and I think you have to be spending time experimenting to be able to cannibalize yourself for a better future. Because if you're not going to do it, someone else will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's honestly, man, like I didn't even think about this earlier. That's really one of the struggles I have with bike rumors. You know, when we started that, it was pretty unique where we you know just this rapid fire here's what's new latest and greatest blog style format was unlike any other bike site out there and over the years you know the magazines kind of begrudgingly launched their websites and some of our competitors started moving more toward that blog style and now like if you look at it like we still do a better job of posting more tech content faster than anybody else 
but from a layout and visual standpoint, like we're not that unique anymore. And that's, you know, that's why we're trying to figure out is video the next thing, even though there's people doing video well, like that's where we really where we're struggling right now is what's the next thing? What can we, how can we reinvent ourselves again to be unique and special and different? And I wish I had the ideas, man. Like we're, we're trying little things, but I don't know, man, it's, it's really tough. You know, when you've been doing something one way for so long and it's worked, it's really hard sometimes to change. Well, I think that, you know, there's different other examples that I think people think about when you talk about like, Oh, just keep doing what works. It's, um, but you know, try new things. So, you know, you have to think about like in and out, you know, in and out burgers, like it's a great burger. I don't know if you've had it. Uh, but they don't really change. They have similar prices and similar menus cause they found a formula that works and, and how they change is they, they create new stores. And so, and then they have new events. And so some things, if it's working, if you found something that works and keep doing it and then figure out where your expansion comes from. This, the other thing is kind of like your wife and my, you know, my girlfriend, if it's working, you don't go get a new wife. Right. But you kind of figure out how to keep making the, the relationship deeper and more interesting. Uh, and I think that's just kind of keep in mind that as you run your business, like, Hey, if this stuff is working, that's great. But you kind of have to look at how you're going to keep evolving it. I think sometimes in, for myself, I just try to evolve too much. I'm like looking for the next thing to always be the greatest thing. Uh, and I think I have to remind myself, spend the majority of the time on what's working and then, but commit one day a week to experimental stuff. Yep. I like it, man. I think that's plenty for somebody who's just getting started or trying to figure out what's next to think about. And um, thanks for ton for your time, man. I appreciate it. Keep it real, Tyler. Besides hearing how easy it is to actually start something, the two big lessons for me were to focus on the things you like doing and, as an organization, to focus on the things that are working well and double down on them. These things go hand in hand. It's easy to get distracted by the day to day or feel like you need to do all the busy work, but that's not helping you and it's not helping your company grow. As I record this, I'm hiring a personal assistant and have been compiling a massive list of all the admin stuff that ends up filling hours of my day every day. I'm sure you have the same list, and I'm sure it's not your favorite list of things to do. That's what you need to delegate as soon as possible. Similarly, it's easy to think you need to keep adding or trying new things for your marketing, sales, or management, but you probably already have something that works. Let's just say it's advertising and social that's driving your sales. If so, then why would you dump a lot of money into trying something else when you could double down and put more money into what's actually working? It's okay to set aside a little time and a little money to try new things or working on new projects, but to maximize your growth, spend your time and money refining the things that are already working. Noah has a vast library of videos on marketing and entrepreneurship, and it's a rabbit hole worth diving into. Be sure to check out this episode's show notes at thebuildcycle.com slash podcast for links to everything. And if this podcast is working for you, why not optimize it by letting me know what you think? Just tap that button on the player you're using right now to leave a quick rating and review. Thanks. Here's hoping you're working on something you like and that it's working for you. Until next time, keep building.